0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to a very special edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as The Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M, and joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a very special guest on the line, so I'm just going to say this first and foremost right now. For anything and everything that you need, that is the ODPH, whether it's Parlay Points, the T Public Store the directory, the classifieds, or a very special link that's right on the front page. Because after you hear this interview, you're going to immediately go right over there and sign up for one of the biggest independent comic books on the planet. And there's so much more there, too. You just got to go check it out for yourself. odphpodcast.com. And remember, on social media, use the hashtag ODPHPod. But we have a very special guest on the line, family of the show. I don't even feel like saying friends because he's always a very big supporter of us since we have talked to him and been introduced to his fantastic comic, which is tearing up Kickstarter as we speak. It is, bar none, far and away, the most reviewed blog on parlay points in ODPH history. It's, wow. there's it, it, no question. I am still having people go back and look at issues 1 and 2 and 3 because it's that damn good. And the Pocus Hocus Army shows up, and they come out in force. So if you don't think it's real, their Kickstarter just kicked off yesterday, Pad. Uh huh. It was a goal of $3,000. Wow. They cleared it and then some, and it's still rising. And they got 28 days left. Well, damn. Because it's that damn good. That's impressive. I mean, I could sit here and talk to you about it all day, but why not hear from one of the creators himself, Returning to the show, your friend, my friend, the one and only Alan Dunford from Pocus Hocus. Alan, what is going on?
1: Hey, guys, I'm so happy to be here. And uh, it was really cool listening to all of that because I had no idea that uh, we were the most reviewed review uh, that you guys had.
0: Yes, um, that is facts.
1: Then, well, that's that's, that's awesome. Um, and uh, another thing, too, that... It, I guess each campaign's always surprised us. And um, I'm my own worst critic because you always uh, second-guess yourself and everything. But this was the first campaign we had where we hit our $3,000 goal uh, within the first 24 hours. But we actually hit it uh, with, I think, about nine and a half hours uh, from the campaign launching. So that's um, we're all still celebrating and kind of baffled by it.
0: Yeah, like it is well-deserved. And I I kid you not, because... I go through the stats and just see about how we get downloads. And literally every time we do a Pocus Hocus, uh, a parlay point block, everybody shows up for it. Like the numbers are just blowing up on the feed and it's from all over the world. And I'm going, man, if somebody doesn't know about this book, I don't know how you don't. But that being said, though, in case somebody is tuning in for the first time, and if you are, thank you very much for giving us your time. Why don't you catch everybody up to speed about what Pocus Hocus is all about?
1: Yeah, so on the surface, Pocus Hocus is a its a Faustian tale. So it's your, it's your someone sells their soul for something. So we have a, our magician character. His name is Pocus Hocus. Yes, we were stupid enough to name him that and the title of our comic.
0: I love that name, so, though.
1: Yeah, his name is Pocus Hocus, and he sells his soul to a demon to have actual magical powers. And he's just trying to bypass the whole thing where he needs to actually learn how to do it. Um, And the demon comes back and requests a... uh, Not even so much requests, demands his servitude because, you know, he's in ownership of his soul. And Pocus has to do some things that he is not proud of. He drags his assistant, Emily, into it as well. And it ultimately leads with them going into hell. And issue three kind of ends with them running into that same demon um and issue four is picking up right where that one left off
0: and it is a damn good book too like i say i wind up laughing completely out loud at times and i'm just blown away by the artwork and just the presentation because usually i don't go for books like these but i'm hooked on this series and i think it's just fantastic from top to bottom i did get to see a little bit of uh issue number four is there anything you can say spoiler free about it
1: yeah, so issue four was really important to us because issue three was kind of our, uh, our cut loose issue where it, everything's been so honed with the story from issue one, we, we get introduced to to Pocus and into the world. Issue two, we're introduced to our conflict and how we're going to get there. Issue three, whenever we were originally writing it, we obviously knew that Pocus and Emily were going to be going to hell. But we didn't know how we were going to get from point A of them getting to hell to point B to them running into the demon where point C or uh, point sorry point C them running into the demon and then point B would be what happens in between. So we were able to really cut loose with that show off the world uh, show off what everyone can do from an artistic standpoint. Um, so now we're back to, we feel like a lot of grassroots and doing what we do best. And that is telling just a good, fun story. And we get to do that with issue four. And it's leading us to some really fun, crazy places and some really cool new characters too.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And where this story is just going, I mean, it keeps getting better and better. And, and especially now that you're involving more different characters into the story and just seeing how Pocus is trying to handle basically from being in control of everything to it's just now all falling apart around him, especially with Emily with him too, as you know, the voice of reason that he's not listening to ever.
1: Yeah. That was something that we wanted to do with Emily. We, we wanted Emily to be the smartest character in the series Mm -hmm. Um, because we have this dynamic between the demon and Pocus and both of them are just Idiots and awful in their own right, <laughs> and, and then we have Emily, who is, uh, in my opinion, she's the reader. You know, she's she's looking at this from a standpoint of why are these idiots doing this? Why are they doing this? She's the only, <laughs> I guess, they'll be truly good character <laughs> in this whole thing so far. Um, and it's just kind of cool to see how they all interact, and that's something that we we wanted to always try to capture with each issue and that was introduced something fun and new even if we don't really know where we're going with that part yet like we had a uh, we had a really fun instance with a cat in issue three mm-hmm. and now in issue four you we actually get to see a preview of it in the uh, kickstarter but we have fun with a tree monster too
0: nice yep. there is so much cool stuff going on with this book and you know with the changes in the book it's happened inside the pages, and then you guys had a big change happen outside since last issue. You want to talk a little bit about the move to Sourcepoint?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we actually got picked up by Sourcepoint Press for uh, distribution. So we will be a we'll be having a national release, which is uh, still makes me want to vomit when I think about it.
0: Um, oh come on, and- man! It's well deserved.
1: Whoo! It's just—it's all happened so fast because it was actually June of last year that we launched Pocus Hocus One on Kickstarter. Really? Yeah, and it's um, just—it's just grown so much because the Kickstarter for issue one ended with seventy—I think like seventy-three backers, and issue two ended with hundred and seventy-three backers, and then issue three we finally cracked the two hundred mark, and we ended with two hundred thirty-four. And this one, we're already at 101 backers at the time of recording this, and it's just—it's crazy to, to see the growth. And then the the guys at SourcePoint have been absolutely incredible. Um, and, I, and I mean this in the best possible way, but they are so hands off that they they let the creators do—they're in charge of their own work. So you're responsible for the success of your your book and getting it finished, which is awesome. Um, because we, we kind of like that and we feel like we're always at a good momentum with the Pocus team. Um, but yeah, we, we can't wait to share more about it. There's some stuff we still have to keep under wraps for right now, mm-hmm. but as of right now, it's just, uh, I'm, I'm just waiting for the, uh, for the big, for the big release. Right
2: no that's awesome uh like you mentioned the kickstarter is up uh if you if those of you listening at home we do have a link in the description of the show and also in our twitter feed uh to get you right to that link uh and congratulations on exceeding your goal i you know i don't actively follow a lot of kickstarters you know but i hear about them every now and again they're like oh they got this they got that i don't think i've ever heard of one meeting a goal that fast which is absolutely insane you know so what are some of the uh you know pros and cons of doing a, a kickstarter
1: Um, So I'll start with the cons of the Kickstarter. The cons of the Kickstarter are restless nights, uh, nausea, uh, (laughs) always refreshing your phone. I have an iPhone, so I get that notification on Sunday saying, Alan, you need to stop looking at your phone screen so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other stress of it, too, is always trying to find something new that you think people want to want to read um and it's always so unpredictable because you see these these articles that come out where people are like well you don't want to launch a kickstarter in june because of this reason and then you have one that contradicts it and they're like oh, kick, june's a great month to launch kickstarters and then they, they try to give you all these pointers and stuff so i i think it's all just a matter of just releasing it whenever you think it's ready but the the pros of the kickstarter uh have been being able to meet people like you guys because through crowdfunding, you really get the the grassroots feel and you you have to earn it and you have to work for it, especially whenever you're coming out the gate with your first comic book series. Um, And it's just, it's so cool to hear the feedback from people and then to see the support from all over the country and and then even all over the world because we're, we're shipping all over the place, which is awesome um but also shipping costs. That's another con. I'm gonna add to that shipping cost. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Makes <laughs> sense.
1: Suck. Yeah. Um but no, it's just it it's it's really cool to to have that. And then now from where we will be with Source Point, um these covers that are on the Kickstarter are all Kickstarter exclusives. Oh nice. Um so whenever POCUS does release into shops. It's going uh, to—they're all going to have different covers for issues one, two, three, and four. So that's that's kind of also cool here for the exclusivity of it. And then you can also get to be a snob and and be like, "Oh, you just picked up Pocus Hocus one. Well, I'm already caught up to issue four (laughs) (laughs) because you followed along with the Kickstarter. So yeah, I think that's the that's the big pro with the Kickstarter is really just uh, just seeing the outpouring of support. Um, It's I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to describe.
0: No, but that makes perfect sense. I mean, because especially how DIY it is and just how word of mouth. I mean, like you touched upon, we got, we heard about you to, from our guy Frank out of Geek Freaks Podcast. What a Frank. And he came in our one of our chats and he was just raving about the book and he got everybody excited. So like when I went to go pick it up, I was like, oh, my God. And I've been telling people about this. Like I know I've been talking with Rich from the Three Fat Nerds podcast. He definitely wants to check this out. In fact, he's excited about another project we'll get to in just a little bit. But it's one of those situations where you start hearing that word of mouth. And then, like I say, when we did our first review of you and just seeing how many people tuned out for that, like just came in and just was like the download numbers were crazy in the, in the hits for it. And it's like I just, just in there watching just I mean, I was amazed by it because you start out basically under the radar and just that big of a word of mouth spread so much that now you think about it. And as you touch upon it, it it's a year later. And look at just going on Kickstarter, and just the minute that link dropped, everybody came out for it. I mean, you hit your goal on the first day. That's almost unheard of.
1: Yeah, like I said too, the it's we kept refreshing it and watching it and watching it. Um, and I was I was chatting with with a couple of the guys from from the comic, and uh, one of our our marketer Joey, uh, we were talking to him. And he was like, well, you guys try to go live whenever we, we hit funding. And I, I was like, Joey, I think we're, we're going to be going live here in the next little bit because I think we're going to hit go within the first nine hours. Yeah, because it just it wasn't stopping. And it was like I do think time slowed down, though. We only needed like I think like thirty dollars wow. for our goal. And then it finally happened and it was just the biggest sigh of relief.
0: Well, that's just goes to the quality of the book and it's just so well done from, like I say, from page one to the closing, everything about it. Just, you can definitely tell is there's a lot of excitement to it. You guys are really putting a lot of your heart and souls into it. And that just is something that comes from doing it as an independent. And I think that, you know, as you touched on source point has allowed you to just do your own thing. Like, I mean, especially getting that move up and just having a publisher that just kind of says, listen, we trust you go for it. I mean, that's gotta be like one of the best feelings in the world.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely, and it it, it kind of lets you know that you're on the right path, um, especially with something like that. Of course, the, uh, the future is wide open for us right now because there's no telling what tomorrow is going to bring, but I, I'm feeling very confident in the, the future of, of Pocus Hocus as a series itself.
0: Oh, you guys absolutely should. I mean, just seeing the word of mouth come from this and then from some of the other projects that are coming out, the one that definitely caught my eye, and I know that a lot of us here at 607 Podcast have been kind of talking about a little bit, is Grandma Chainsaw. Can you talk a little bit about
1: that? Um, yeah. Where do I begin? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the, uh, the title alone is pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of personal information about me. Um, I was actually raised by my grandparents. Um, and the main character in this, well, I guess the the main villain, whatever you want to call her, Grandma, and mm-hmm. her name's Hazel, and that's uh, my great-grandma's name. Nice. So I guess in my own <laughs> screwed-up way, that's me uh, saying, love you, Granny. <laughs>
0: yeah. Give it a little homage, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I don't know about uh, the chainsaw part, but still.
1: <laughs> no, she didn't have one. Um. So, yeah, this, um, this comic was, was something that I was thinking of originally. It was called Grandma Buzzsaw. Mm-hmm. where uh, Will and I were talking, we, we wanted to do something uh, more horror, but still also retain the level of fun that we, we love and stuff because the world's too serious anyway. Yeah, so We just wanted, we really just wanted to always keep it fun and light and whenever you read a comic from us, we, we want you just to have a blast. And uh, Grandma Chainsaw, we wanted to be no different, but whenever we were talking, it's like, well, let's do something horror related. So the original idea was to do a horror anthology type thing. Okay, And then the original idea for Grandma Buzzsaw was it was just this horrific scene downstairs of this, this grandma killing people or cutting people up. And then she hears a banging on the top of the, the door. She opens it up. She has to go upstairs. And it's her grandson. And the grandson and the grandpa are waiting for dinner to be served. And it's like this beautiful suburban home. And it was just a good cut from how gritty it was downstairs. Hmm. So we wanted just to make it kind of creepy like that. Um but the more we talked about it, we were like, "Well, let's let's just do a let's just do a horror comic, and let's change the name of it." And then I was like, "Let's just call it Grandma Chainsaw." And we both laughed whenever I said the name. So that's how we knew it hit.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that cover looks awesome. Or yeah, the, or the so- artwork.
1: Yeah, um, we were we're moving right along with it too. The uh, the Kickstarter for that's going to launch after we fulfill Pocus uh, Four. Okay. Um, yeah, so everything production production's moving really swift on both, which is uh, makes me very happy, uh, and it's the exact same team. So Brian, Jason, Dave, Will, myself, we're all working on Grandma Chainsaw because uh, these guys are just so awesome to work with. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
0: Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's yeah, <laughs> big believer in that. Oh yeah, and I'm sure that when you you presented the idea, I mean, just the brainstorming from this, where you say like, okay, let's just do like i uh, I'd say a more traditional horror comic. But, you know, obviously yeah. mixing the different elements, that, much like you did with the Faustian idea for Pocus, you know, just giving something, a, a different twist to it, if you will.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and we we recognize I think that's a big thing that um, benefits us, too. We, we recognize where our influences are. Um, like, for example, there's a uh, there's a shot on page two of Grandma's Paintsaw. You can see a little bit of it in the uh, in the the graphic that we put up there for it to kind of show hey you guys can also add on the grandma chainsaw preview ash can Mm -hmm. to the uh to the thing but uh we literally wrote in there she raises the chainsaw over her head this is a texas chainsaw massacre reference yes it's what we wanted we we know where our stuff comes from like in issue one we have a uh, we have Exorcist three references, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like we just go crazy and just all the stuff that it's influenced us. We this is kind of our way just to really just have fun, and I, I think that it's uh, it definitely lands because this one. Whenever we were writing some of the parts, we were we were laughing at how awful they were. So I, I do think that the uh, the fun level is going to be there, especially from a comedy aspect on this thing too.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see that happening as well. I mean, speaking of fun, one of my favorite characters in this whole Hocus Hocus universe is Horus. And seeing Horus in hell. Can you break this down for us?
1: Yeah, so we had a lot of questions um, after issue two mainly came out. Because that was when you really got to kind of see Horus a little bit more than before. It was always the same question of where did Horus come from? What's his origin story? We need to know more about this character because with with Horace it was less is more. And and I think that was the big intriguing part with him. So we got with Kit Wallace, who does all of our variant covers mm-hmm. since issue one. And I I had an idea with Will, okay, let's just do an eight page mini. We'll see where it goes. Um you know, we're definitely not ruling out the idea of a future mini series with Horace, which I think would be great. But as of right now we have this eight page mini that we felt was just going to be a good origin story for Horace so that way people could get to know him a little bit more. And I, I love Kit's art and I'm sure he's probably tired of hearing it, but it's definitely got a Scotty Young vibe to it.
0: Yeah, I agree. And
1: Uh, I love his use of Uh, collaring. I'm not sure what you would say about it. I I like the bubblegum collar aspect of it because there's so much grit that's happening to it, but everything is always so vibrant and pure.
0: Yeah. I, I fully agree with that too. I mean, I always, I do have his variant covers too. So this is a personal testimonial. Like I think the artwork he does is fantastic and I do agree with it. It's a, it's a cool contrast to Brian's artwork. And like I say, both of them are equally awesome. But it's just a, it's a nice little curveball that you see because I mean with with Pocus you know being such a, a grittier story in certain aspects and just how it's present you know presented and then you see with Horace it's just you know almost that pop feel to it, <laughs> but it, it but it comes out so well though.
1: Yeah, definitely, and it, it really stands off the page even on the graphic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can barely see the the first two pages, but you can tell there's just so much life and fun there. Yes, um, and. People have been uh, snatching this up and Grandma Chainsaw, both ash cans. So I, I can't wait to hear what people say um, once they start actually getting them.
2: No, that's awesome. Uh, so you got Pocus Hocus going, you got the uh, Grandma Chainsaw. Is there anything coming down the road for you and your team that you kind of like to give maybe little teasers at or little hints at?
1: Yeah. So we're obviously, our, our main goal is to get Pocus Ford done. Mm. Which it's almost done now. as As of recording this, we only have six more pages to go uh, before it's completely uh, illustrated, collared, and lettered, and then we're we're good. So this this thing could very well finish before the campaign ends, which is awesome. So I would I would love for the campaign timer to go off, and then we immediately send out Pocus Four. Like that would just be a dream.
0: That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um,
1: and obviously, Grandma Chainsaw is is another focus of ours. But we are working on some other things that we we think is going to be a lot of fun for people to read. Uh, I'll give you a hint for one. We we have explored the lands. Now we are going to be heading to the sea.
0: Ooh, mm. ooh, that sounds like fun.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty cool.
0: I definitely can't wait to check it out. And then
1: let's. here's a
0: little curveball for you, though, because I'm, I'm sitting there, and I know you've been doing the interviews uh, with you know, a lot of our podcast friends, and they've all been great, too. I'm trying to think of like a little curveball to throw. So if I was putting together a Spotify playlist for Pocus, what would be on it?
1: Um, I think Pocus would be kind of a, a weird jump around. Okay. Uh, I think Pocus is really big into uh, metal and metalcore. So I think that some of his stuff, there's a new Devil Wears Prada album coming out, and I think Pocus is going to be really into it. Nice. Because Pocus doesn't want to do classical music or anything. Right. Because, uh, you know, it's too much like his dad. Mm -hmm. He wants to go far from that. Um, But he's also been really big into Darko lately. So I, I think he'll like them pretty good.
0: I could see that. You know, now that, now that you bring it up, because I, I could definitely see that happening, too. You know, and, and it's just something when, when you kind of put that vibe into the book and, you know, it, it's just such a fun read. And, you know, obviously with a little more darker tone to it with the subject matter. But still, it's it's lighthearted at, at, at its core and just there. Oh, I'm sorry. Go.
1: Oh, no. No, uh, I, I think you find that a lot with comedies. Right. Um, some of the, the most thought provoking stuff that you, that you come across, sometimes it feels like uh, something a comedian says or you're watching a comedy movie and they, they drop something heavy around a subject matter that's fun. And that really gets your emotions going. And we, we tried to do that with Pocus. Um, you know, there's a lot of fun things that happen in Pocus, but at, at overall, there's just there's this kind of this cloud looming. About this this man who wants to get his soul back, and is being drugged down into these situations he doesn't want to be in, but we still are having so much fun doing it. Like throwing in dialogue that says "Sweet Baby Satan" for God's sake. Yeah,
0: yeah. I laughed out loud when I read that. <laughs> like, oh, <good. laughs> hey, oh yeah, when somebody's like, "Where are you laughing?" I'm like, "I, I can't say here. I, like, I'll tell you outside."
1: Yeah. <laughs> Perfect.
0: Oh yeah, no. Like I say, it's, it's just those punchline humor jokes that are throughout this book that you just you you can't help but just like laugh out loud and when i when i heard that i was like oh my god that's fantastic <laughs> like that was just so well placed too and just like the pacing with the story and everything that's going on with it is just a monster series that's just gaining more and more attention i mean would you ever say at some point you'd love to see like an animated show from this or you know something down the road like that
1: uh yeah i think that the be everyone's dream Right, like I think everyone would love to see their creation uh, pop up on Netflix or an Adult Swim show, or just just really anything. Um, well, I was talking about it with Will before, and Will would actually love to see this as a stage play. He think it'd be oh. incredible on Broadway, which I That'd be good. Uh, would kind of inclined to agree. I think it'd be a lot of fun. That would be
0: very cool, actually. You know, like to think about it because I I could see this being. An animated show, because like you're seeing a lot more of that come in, especially like the success of Invincible. Yeah, has really been kind of opening the door for a lot more independent comics to get that kind of shine with animation. So I, but the Broadway show I, that would be incredible.
1: Yeah, I, I just, I think just seeing Pocus uh transferred into another medium w- would just be a, a dream come true from from any respects. Um, you know, we work with Jared who does our animated trailers. So he did one for Pocus and he did one for grandma chainsaw. And just even seeing that alone just gets the, gets the blood going for something in the future, you know?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, with the success and the, the fan reaction that's already poured out one day into the Kickstarter, like to emphasize that that doesn't happen all the time. And yet you saw everybody just show up for this, like, the the fan base is there people are talking this book has a lot of buzz to it and the sky is the absolute limit for what you're capable of doing here now one year it's like almost one year in and now it's just bigger and better things going on it's it's kind of like pick your you know you know choose your own adventure so to speak
1: yeah um like i said it's just still completely humbled and and baffled by it um I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, Pocus Hocus 1 ended uh, June 17th, 2021.
0: Wow. Like, it it just feels like it's just been moving, you know, nonstop. But that's not a bad thing, though. That just means the more fans are getting tuned into the book, more people are checking it out, and everything that you guys are doing, it's just truly remarkable to sit here. And, and, you know, as a fan of the comic, man, I, I can't be more happy to see you guys succeed like this.
1: Well, I, I appreciate it, and it's it's all thanks to people like you guys, who really show us that we're on the right path, and who just keep getting the word out because, it's a, a you know a tweet, a post, whatever can only go so far. It, it takes it takes a community behind it.
0: Absolutely, no, I, I fully agree with that too. It's just the more that you get people involved, and more people that hear about it, and just really. I don't think a lot of people outside, like the content creating community understand like how big, like a, a share or a retweet does. Cause it just gets more eyes on your product.
1: Yeah. E- even if people ignore it, um, it it's still out there in mm-hmm. um, and, and, and some aspect of, of that. So that's again, just thank you guys. And, and anyone's listening that's interviewed us before. Just thank you guys too. You just thank everybody, people backing interviewers, just the, the whole community itself.
0: Well, with that being said, why don't we do a final pitch? If anybody is still not sold for whatever reason about not going to Kickstarter immediately after hearing this podcast, why should they go to Pocus Hocus and go get number four?
1: Because I think Pocus Hocus offers something for everyone. And I I know that phrase is thrown around a lot, but if you are in, and it's going to sound so stretched out, but if you're into dark comedy, fantasy, horror, suspense, thrillers, this action, it kind of really touches on all those surfaces. And there's a tier out there for everybody. And we always want to make it user-friendly from anyone that has been following us since day one or for someone that's brand new. And we always want to get back to the fans. And we emphasize that with this one because we also offer a trade paperback in this campaign as well because we never want to feel like we – You know, uh, I guess uh, we we knew ahead of time we were going to do a trade paperback. Mm. So we didn't want to release campaign four with all the covers and then do a separate campaign for a trade paperback when we could have just offered it here. That makes sense. Yeah, we always want the customer and the fans or however you want to look at it to feel like they have value because they do. They mean more to us than anything because we wouldn't be here without them.
0: That's awesome to hear. And now with the national release, are you guys going to be doing any cons?
1: Um, yeah. So the the idea going forward, once we actually get a release date, we'll know a little bit more. Then, um, if if I had to be safe, I, I would say 2023 is going to be a really fun year uh, for us to travel around, and do cons and um, pitch pocus, and just hopefully see the success that it has.
0: Absolutely, Alan. You're always welcome to come on the show whenever you want to swing through. It is always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to come back on again and again and again. So you guys have messed up by uh, (laughs) talking to me.
0: That's a mistake that we will gladly make time in and time out. (laughs) Anytime you want to come through the ODPH, you just got to holler at us and let us know. You got to open mic to come on and definitely talk about all the projects you guys have coming out. Congratulations on all the success, and obviously, ODPH Society, if you have not checked this book out, I give it a highest recommendation I can. The Kickstarter link is in the liner notes of this podcast. It's on odphpodcast.com. It's probably in every single uh, group that we are in on Twitter and Facebook because we stand up for this book that much. We think it's fantastic. It's a great read, and you definitely want to add it to your collection Alan Dunford, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. We are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you tired of watching the same old awesome movies? Are B-movies
1: more your style? Then the folks over at They Called This A Movie have you covered. Join us every Thursday as we review the worst of the worst in sci-fi, action, comedy, and more. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean at a theycallthisamovie.podbean.com. They Called This A Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to recap the latest going ons in Marvel Studios and Disney Plus's new smash hit, Miss Marvel. Yeah. Now. We are at the midway point of season one of the brand new series Mm -hmm. starring Iman Vellani Mm -hmm. as the title character Kamala Khan, who is one of the biggest characters in all of Marvel comics right now. And the story has been a very exciting one. It's very different than what we've seen from previous MCU shows. It's very lighthearted. It's very all ages. A lot of energy going on with it. And now that we're kind of getting near the end of the season, and I do say season one, Because there's still a lot they need to unveil Mm -hmm. and really show the viewing audience what's going on here. I don't think they're going to be one and done with this. No. I really don't. So that being said, pad, we were going to do is do our spoiler-free statement on the episode entitled Seeing Red. And then after the countdown, we are going to go into spoilers. So if you haven't seen the episode by now, pause and jump back in after you catch up because we definitely don't want to ruin it for everybody. But that's why we give you the spoiler-free statement if you should see it or not. So, Pad, talk to me.
2: I thought it was a really good episode. I dug the vibe and I dug, you know, kind of the getting to see a different locale other than, you know, New Jersey, New York City. You know, so it was cool to go overseas and, and see some of the stuff over there. Uh, and in terms of the episode itself, a lot of fun, uh, Doug, kind of like the story building, kind of building the backlog and the lore, if you will. Uh, and I'm excited to see where they go.
0: This was a fun episode. Different than what I thought we were going to see originally, and especially involving one character, Mm -hmm. which I admit I was wrong about. And I'm definitely intrigued to see where we're going to go with that group and their story. I thought the change of location was a very cool one. Uh, and, to see how they're gonna kinda tie up season one, I feel they're gonna really be rushing to get to the end. Uh, just kind of how things are setting up, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe. It could be I could be thrown off, but definitely that's why I kind of feel they're gonna go to a season two with this. But it was a fun episode, definitely enjoyed it. There's a lot to discuss about that. So that being said, pad, in three, two, one. What did you really think?
2: I thought it was a really fun episode. You know, like I said, I, I dug everything about it. It was fun. You know, like the, the character building and world building was a lot of fun. But it also feels, like you said, that we're not getting all the answers that, like, this isn't quite done. This isn't going to be a one and done. And where we go from here is anybody's guess.
0: Uh, yeah, I fully agree. I mean, I think the change as we see that Kamala and her family are now going to Karachi. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Pakistan and to reunite with her, her grandma to get yeah. the truth about her bracelets yep. or bangles is there yep. uh, because obviously that is a source of her power. So it's a little different than what we see in the comics because in the comics she is an inhuman. And they're not going anywhere near that in the show. They're not touching that subject because obviously the inhumans failed as a <laughs> live action show. I, I think that we're all pretty much in agreement about that. The only saving grace is we did see Black Bolt appear in Doctor Strange of the Multiverse of Madness. And that might be the only place we see human's reference for quite some time, in my opinion. So, obviously, doing this new intro or origin is going to be something that we're going to be all introduced to Kamala Khan with. And that's perfectly fine. I have no issues with that. But as we see with this episode, everybody is heading back to catch up with her grandma because she has the same vision that Kamala is having about a train and a mysterious figure emerging from it. Yep. And it seems that her grandmother, Sansa, knows more about this than she's letting on. Mm-hmm. And definitely catches Kamala up to speed that they're trying to say there's a message that's being told here. And from this, there's also an inscription on the bangle. And it reads, What you seek is seeking you. Mm, very mysterious. It's very mysterious, but Kamala's definitely invested in this mystery because obviously she's tried going to her family.
2: Yeah. uh, little to no answers because they know something, but it's this like big taboo secret that if she tells the world will end.
0: Yeah. Which, I mean, it comes to everything with superhero life that if you have something mysterious with powers, you should probably keep it under wraps. Of course. So Kamala is definitely trying to dig into this mystery. Obviously traveling halfway around the world is going to do that. Yeah. So she goes to the train station where she thinks the vision is coming from. Mm hmm. And as she's walking around, she is approached by someone who is wielding certain weapons, Pad, mm-hmm. And what kind of weapons are these? Uh, they're daggers. And they're not just any daggers,
2: they're red daggers.
0: Yes. So we do get introduced to Kareem, who is played by Arminus Knight. Mm-hmm. And this is a character that we know from the comics. So I was wrong in my assumption that it was going to be Cameron, that it was going to be the new boy at school and, yeah. and tie into that. So. Definitely saw the Red Dagger appear, and they kind of had one of those, dare I say, cliche fights that all superheroes have because, you know, reasons. Yeah, But it's definitely a a fun little segue that they are, you know, really testing each other out because Kamala's definitely struggling to uh, grasp her powers. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like a cool trial by fire, so to speak. And obviously the Red Daggers are thinking that she is – their enemies mm-hmm. that would be, you know, one of the clandestines yep. who obviously we saw last episode uh, have a little bit of ulterior motives with Kamala's, yeah. you know, powers and history a little bit. They do yeah. know a lot about her. Yeah. But this group definitely kind of tests her out. But they decide to, you know, let like cooler heads prevail. Well, yeah. Cause, and you've got to figure that
2: their trepidation is warranted just because it's been how however long this group has been around. And it's kind of been like all quiet, you mm-hmm. know, status quo, nothing too crazy. And then all of a sudden she shows up. They detect the pods and they're like, all right, well, wait a minute. Timeout. What's going on here? We got to figure this out. What's going on? And then they kind of like, oh, okay, this makes sense.
0: Yeah. So Kamala goes back to their headquarters and she meets their leader, Walid. And she finally gets the answer she's looking for, so to speak. Yeah. And we see a map appear. Yeah. And basically it's broken down that the clandestines are trying to break the wall that is separating our world to the veil of Mm Noor, which is their home dimension. Yeah. Like it's this
2: other dimension that kind of like perfectly layers over ours. And while we can't see it, it's there. And like they're trying to break down the wall so that the other dimension can take over ours and super and replace ours or something like that.
0: Yeah. So if you kind of tie it into like what they're doing with Superman and Lois, kind of, yeah, it really echoes a lot that you're seeing a world that, is not ours trying to merge and take over and the clandestines are trying to do this and it's definitely an interesting variable that's pointed out because as Walid is trying to explain, if they break the veil, which is the source of Kamala's powers, it'll decimate our world. And it'll just make the clandestines world mm-hmm. ours. Which is it's it's kind of it's a real interesting concept with that. But it's brought to the you know forefront and Kamala's really taken aback by this because she's like, Well, they've been trying to help me until obviously last episode. Yeah. And as we see, the clandestines have uh, a little bit of a problem on their hands, so to speak, because, Pad, where do we see them this episode?
2: Uh, they're taken to the DODCs, the Department of Damage Control's Supermax Prison, which, why the fuck Damage Control needs a Supermax Prison is beyond me.
0: I'm blown away by how much Damage Control has, like... Yo, they got funding. Yeah, because in the comics... They got, like, Bezos funding. Yeah. They... goddamn, damn. Jeff Bezos might be sponsoring them. Could be. If he comes in the Marvel Universe, this this would be a perfect way to. Yeah. This is a weird situation to see because in the comics, they're more comic relief. They're cl-
2: like there was even a show planned, uh, you know, based around the comic relief aspect of them, that it was going to be like a show on NBC or ABC or something on like a Friday night or some like throwaway night. That like, and it was going to be comedy and them cleaning up after like you can go on the Internet and search. There was a plot description that even made it out into the public about what the show was going to be about. And you read it and it goes, OK, that's a, like kind of like a Friday night comedy show.
0: Yeah, so it's weird to see that they're more covert than S.H.I.E.L.D. at this stage. Yeah. It, it's weird. I'm sorry. As somebody that read damage control throughout the years, seeing them being this weapon-teched mm-hmm. militia-type deal is weird.
2: Well, and they even got featured in one of the more recent Spider-Man animated series I remember that was on Disney or uh, Disney XD or whatever it's called these days, mm-hmm. where... They're like you said. They're brought. You know, the superheroes have a battle with the supervillains. Things get destroyed, and they get brought in to clean everything up. I mean, mm-hmm. there was even an entire episode where Spider-Man and his crew, as a form of punishment, because hey, they're still high schoolers, you know, learning. Fury sent them to work with Damage Control for a day and really learn and understand what they do.
0: Yeah. So it's weird to see this, but at the same point here, we see a dramatic escape. Yeah. Which if you weren't sure about what the clandestine was all about, they definitely s- showcased that they are here to win, and they are not taking any prisoners. They make a very b- bold statement to escape, and Yama, mm-hmm. who is the leader of this group, definitely leaves the charge, but she leaves Cameron behind because yeah. Cameron was assisting Kamala mm-hmm. last episode. Yep. So I thought that was very interesting oh, yeah. to see because now... Where does his loyalties lie? Well, I think it's going to be with uh, Kamala. It, it's going to have to be, but as he's part of the Dijin that is from that other dimension, like, how does this work? And he's left behind for the, for the damage control. Yep. Which is so weird for me to say is going to uh-huh. be, like, interrogating him and, and working their magic about him. But this is where we kind of fast forward back to Pakistan and Kamala's training with the Red Daggers about her powers. But the clandestine make time. Oh yeah, they, they do. get over there quick. Yeah, they do. There is a bit of a fight sequence going on. Great choreography. Yep. You know, great chase sequence. Great chase sequence. But during this fray, Waleed is killed. Yeah. Because Kareem and Kamala, who have been bonding, we saw like a quick yeah. scene where she's hanging out with other teenagers. Yep. And, you they you all know,
2: they all have nicknames and they call each other by their nicknames.
0: Yep. And she introduces her introduces herself as Sloth Baby. <laughs> of course. Because why? reasons Reasons. but it's still a cool nickname i don't care what anybody says so they are definitely speeding through and trying to escape and when they are fighting the clandestines nama hits the bangle Mm -hmm. on kamala's wrist yep and then this sends off an energy blast Mm -hmm. and pad what do we see here
2: she gets sent to a, a rail yard someplace but we don't know where It appears to be in the past. It Mm -hmm. doesn't look like it's in present time. And it's almost like, you know, if you've ever seen the Harry Potter movies where Harry goes back in time a couple of times in those movies and he's there and he can see, but nobody can see him. It's almost like she's there, but she's not there. It's a weird. It's a weird scene. It's a weird sequence, but
0: it takes her back to where the vision began. Yeah. And I think it ties into when we started seeing the history of the Bengal could be and how it ties in with the powers that be So, it's kind of an interesting cliffhanger, Mm -hmm. but it definitely served the purpose of now at least we know what's going on to a degree. Right. Like, at least we have the clandestine's motives, and they're trying to get back to their own dimension, Mm -hmm. but by doing such, they're going to wipe out Earth-616. Yep. It's a weird paradox, but as Waleed was explaining, that this is what they do, so if they're going to break the veil of Noor this is going to have world-breaking events going mm-hmm. on with it. so It's
2: going to be an- yet another event where, theoretically, the powers that be, what remain of the Avengers, should get called, but they will be mysteriously absent.
0: Yes. Because why? Reasons. Reasons. Yeah, it's one of those situations that yeah, somebody should probably be involved. The,
2: uh, case in point, the Eternals, say what you will about the movie, the world getting split apart and something coming out of it, Cause enough for the Avengers, if not S.H.I.E.L.D. or Sword or whoever to show up. Where were they? Who the fuck knows?
0: Yeah, nobody knows. Like, I I think the Eternals was in a different time zone. Or time world. Could be. Like, it has to be. Because, obviously, it just doesn't make any sense a lot. A lot of that movie doesn't make any sense. I don't care what anybody says at OD Parlay Hour. I will debate that all day. But this episode, though, had a lot of fun moments in it, too. And, and you get a lot more of Kamala's history. Mm-hmm. And seeing what... Now her direction is going to be because she does have some training. Yeah. To what degree? We're not talking exactly. It's overnight. She's going to be, you know, on a, a, a high fighting level like a Shang-Chi. Or... I, think,
2: I think we're talking like Empire Strikes Back levels where like Luke gets a little bit of training from Yoda, however much time it is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then he goes into fight Vader and he's like hilariously outmatched. I think there's going to be a little bit of that. We'll see in the next episode. We're like, okay, she's got some training, but like, still
0: outclassed. She's definitely going to be outclassed, but I think at least we're going to get the true meaning behind the bangles. Yeah. And I think that she will get the second one because I think that that is still out in the ether. Yes. So we'll get a little more background about that. And then we're setting up for the big battle between her and the clandestine. Yep. I don't exactly know how this is all going to play out. Neither do I. Other than just a quick finale, which I don't know how I'll feel about that. I'm going to be honest. But I have trusted this series thus far. It's been a fun ride. I'm definitely enjoying it. I highly recommend it to anybody who hasn't seen it yet. Give it a shot. It's, it's not just a teenage uh, show, because I know that that's a lot of the criticism mm-hmm. I'm hearing. But, Pat, I mean, you've seen now four episodes. How would you describe it?
2: It's fun. I mean, the, you know, it's got a couple of slow points, but it doesn't feel... Like with some of the stuff with Superman and Lois where they get to like the teen angsty stuff and it's like, okay, keep it moving. They keep it there, but they don't dwell on it too long. And then it's fun. It's lighthearted. And like I said last week, it's kind of a departure from the last couple of projects we've seen from Marvel with Disney Plus and then the studios where it's just like world breaking multiverse breaking stuff. We're like, okay, there's a threat you know, it feels kind of like early Marvel, you know, like phase one Marvel. We're like, okay, we got an origin story. We're still kind of figuring out where we are. It's an entirely new character, and it's been a nice, you know, refresher.
0: Yeah, it definitely has. I got to admit that. Like, it's definitely had a very cool vibe to it, and it's it does remind me a lot of phase one, which is it's great. I loved phase one of Marvel. And to see Kamala's origin happen here, and, and I'm not mad that they're not doing the Inhumans. I thought it was going to be interesting to see how it does. I still think the Kree is going to be involved. Probably with, with the, the uh, quantum bands. Possibly I could see something like that happening. I don't know necessarily if that's going to be what is going to go, but as we're seeing, they're doing enough of the teenage growing up that it's not over in your face, overwhelming like Superman and Lois does at times. It's a nice balance and you're seeing a hero emerge before your eyes. I'm very interested to see what they do next episode though. Cause like I say, She's transported in the past, so I want to say yep. they're back in the 1940s, if I'm not mistaken. Somewhere around there, yeah. So it's going to be anybody's guess to see how this goes forward, but you know what? I'm here for it, so we'll definitely have to check that out. But we gave you our takes, ODPH Society. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about <laughs> the latest Miss Marvel episode entitled Seeing Red? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? Remember, spoiler free until Friday... And then all bets are off after that. And I do know we have a new vlog from Dre Driven dropping Friday at midnight Eastern Standard Time. So if you even want more Miss Marvel Breakdown, there you go. That's what we do here at the ODPH. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
3: Do not adjust
1: your dial or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. And I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating, enlightening, and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 to Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag three zero and Nerdy Pod. And check out what all is going on at 30andNerdyPodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And wow, do we have to recap the season finale of the CW's best show, mm-hmm. bar none.
2: Pad says it's the best show on TV, broadcast TV. I want to I want to specify that not all of TV, broadcast television.
0: But still, it's a show that if you've been a long time listener to the ODPH, you know we have been following since day one. The entire panel is a big fan of it. And Pad, what show is that? Superman and Lois. Yes, the CW's DC Comics adaptation of the Man of Steel and the family that supports him has been carrying on an amazing run through two seasons now. Uh Uh-huh. We are finally at the end of the road for this wild season, and we have to stress wild. Yeah. Because we have been led in many, many different directions. Yes. But obviously Tyler Hoechlin, who plays Clark Kent, and Elizabeth Tolick, who plays Lois Lane, has been captivating us, the viewing audience, with their portrayal of... Superman and Lois, and the family that they have moved from Metropolis to Smallville, and you would think the problems would die down, but no, no, no. They have only escalated throughout Mm -hmm. the two seasons. And this season especially, I applaud the writing staff because they went in a lot of different directions. Some, most of it paid off, I will say that. There was one instance that didn't. One instance that was probably a very big misfire. Yeah. And just with the quality of the show, that's why we say it's a misfire, but it was still a watchable episode. It wasn't one that we were all kind of like, ugh. But they have definitely taken some chances going into the Superman rogues gallery and done some very cool interpretations. And now we are at the season finale where basically the fate of the world is in Superman's hands, but he's depowered. Mm -hmm. So that being said, Pat, let's do the spoiler-free statement about the season finale of Superman and Lois, entitled... Waiting for Superman isn't that a fight for fighting song?
2: Uh, I think so. Where somebody somebody's got a song waiting for Superman. I forget who it is. Gotcha. Uh, but no, it's a fantastic freaking episode. I am very very interested to see where things go for the show in general once the season comes back. Once the show comes back sometime later this year, whenever that is, they haven't announced it. Uh, but in terms of the episode itself, holy shit, this was awesome. You know, this felt like you know a big budget movie made for the small screen to made for the small screen TV because
0: yo. This almost felt, in a certain degree, like the series finale. Even though it's not. We know it's been greenlit for season three. Yep. But they definitely tied up a lot of storylines. And they left a couple that were going to be threads going into next season. Which I'm definitely excited to check out. But for how wild this season was, especially with the interpretations of two of the biggest rogues in Superman's gallery. Mm-hmm. Not the biggest, but no. two of them that... I applaud him for at least taking the shot with it because Superman does have more than Brainiac and Lex Luthor in his rogues. Mm -hmm. And I liked what they did this season. And I'd like to see more of that moving forward. And I think we're going to go there with season three from who they alluded to. Yes. Great episode though. Nevertheless. So that being said, pad three, two, one, talk to me.
2: Fantastic fucking episode. Start to finish. Uh, The story was nuts. Kept me guessing. You know, it wasn't like some of the stuff where I'm like, I can kind of figure out what's going on. There were moments where I'm like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. Okay, now I understand. Action sequences were awesome. Gave me goosebumps in multiple occasions. Was everything I wanted out of a season finale. Didn't have a cliffhanger, but you know what? I'm all right with that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're going to definitely be diving into spoilers, but you heard the countdown, so you know by now we like to go into this. And where we've gone this season is... Superman had definitely had his challenges meeting his half-brother, who I'm still waiting to see get introduced into the comics. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but it's a great character play, and I think they need to run with it. And we've seen, obviously, Smallville's been picking up the pieces. John Henry Irons is now a firm member of the Superman team after coming in and being the frenemy at the beginning of this whole ordeal. But I tell you what, Wally Parks has definitely been stepping the game up for this. And I'm telling you what, I Jordan Alsace, who plays Jonathan Kent, one of the sons of Superman, we always say he's the MVP of the show. I think, I hate saying this, but I don't mind saying this at all, Mm -hmm. he's been replaced. Mm -hmm. Because, Pat, I think the MVP of the show is Taylor Buck, yes, who plays Natalie Irons. She is absolutely fantastic. Especially the latter half of the season. Oh, my God. They finally gave her some screen time and a power suit, and she is definitely kicking ass on this show. She is awesome on this. And to see where the storyline has gone, obviously dealing with the fallout of Superman's half-brother, they were teasing that he was having problems this season, kind of like a psionic attack. They did this great switch mm-hmm. where everybody thought Doomsday was coming, the yep. legendary Superman villain who killed him at one point. Uh-huh. And it turned out, no. In fact, I love that the writers were messing with the fans like this because yeah. it was it was leaked out. It was It was Doomsday right up to the costume. Yeah. But, Pad, who was this mystery villain? Bizarro. Yes, the backwards version of Superman. hmm And how they did this, I will tell you, I have only seen him done in the comics a little better here and there. I yeah. thought the way they did Bizarro on the show was perfect. And to see that he was there not trying to be the villain, mm-hmm. but trying to stop the person who was trying to merge Bizarro World with our world, and that is Allie, the cult leader, yeah. who has ties to Lois Lane's sister and was on a hellbent and high-water revenge arc trying to take out everybody because she felt that she could merge worlds and become complete. It was a weird thing to see, but obviously she was looking for two pendants and finally got there by the end. And she definitely was making her mark, though even, I will say, the only setback with the season is a lot of the episodes in the latter half, we were jumping between Bizarre World and Our World. Yeah. And it was confusing at times, because all the characters pretty much looked the same. Except yeah. they had the backwards S if you were doing the House of L. Except for one, and this is a character I know we're probably not going to see again, but I'm already saying I want to see that again, and that is Jordan Elsass's Jonathan Kent, who was Superboy uh, Connor Kent's origin with the leather coat and the yeah, red pants. Yeah, Like, listen, I don't care how they got to do it next year. They got to bring him back. If that's the one thing that we have carry over from this story arc, I need to see this because they finally let Jonathan Kent loose, and Jordan else has played a hell of a villain too. Mm-hmm. Because obviously being in the shadow of his brother Jordan Kent, played by Alex Garfin, it's tough. And he definitely had some great fight sequences. I wouldn't mind seeing that again because now Jordan has emerged as – The Boy of Steel, he is Superboy. Yeah. But to what extent, we got to wait and see. But to see how he was trying to fight off Allie and her forces of the bizarro super family Mm -hmm. was an interesting play. Yeah. Not mad about it, and it was interesting to see as well that... Ali wound up stealing the powers of Superman. Yep. In the past few episodes, Superman has had no powers.
2: Yep. Well, He's- he, well, they're there, just they're kind of like broken, and like his his cells are not quite whole or what they should be. So it's taken him a little longer to get his powers back.
0: Yes. But they come up with a do or die situation because now Ali is on the verge of. Merging the worlds,
2: Yeah, like stuff starting to blink back and forth between the world. At the end of the last episode, uh, the Kents were on their farm because, hey, we're going to go inside, stay with the family and be safe. And then things got weird. And while the kids and uh, Lois were like, "What the hell, what's going on? Where are we? Clark knew where he was. They're like, oh, shit, we're on the other earth. Mm -hmm. The other the other issue they've got is uh, John's gone missing in their eyes. He went into the portal last episode to try and stop Allie didn't work yeah you know so then they're like well shit what are we gonna do and clark's like
0: well i guess i know what i gotta do yeah so clark comes up with an idea which i got to admit pad you won't know this reference i saw this and i go holy crap mm-hmm. they're copying a super friends episode mm, i might have seen it at
2: one point i just it's been years oh it's been years because this was back in the 80s
0: well they reared they reared they re-aired
2: it in the 90s when i was a kid i'm like weekday afternoon TV and, like, Saturday mornings. So I might have seen it, but it's been probably t- 20, 30 years. I want to
0: say it's the Galactic Guardians, Super mm-hmm. Friends. Okay. And this is when Firestorm, they were really pushing him. He was kind of like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the next big thing. Yeah. And he wound up killing Superman because he made him, like, a human kryptonite. Uh, fun fact, Super Friends on HBO Max. Yeah, go watch that. If you haven't seen the man. Classic show. Classic cartoons. Yeah. But the way they saved him is they literally shot superman's body into the sun. Oh, okay. And then that cleared everything out and he came back firing like cuz Firestorm was tricked. I mean, it wasn't like yeah, intentional yeah, yeah. but obviously. Yeah. But they wind up doing the same thing here. And I thought there was a brilliant throwback. Like, for me, I'm sitting there watching. Like, I remember watching that when I was a kid. Like, Jesus, man, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. I marked out because Clark is basically saying, listen, there's only one way I can accelerate my powers because doing the traditional way, it's going to be years. Right. Well, and
2: he brings us up and they're like, well, how do you know this is going to work? And he's like, well, I don't. My mother was in the middle of explaining this to me, but she kind of like broke out and we didn't hear the full message.
0: Right. But he winds up having to trust his his half brother, Tal Rowe, who like. Turned a new leaf, apparently. He turned a new leaf. For now. And I'm going to say this right now. Adam Rayner, who plays Talro. Does a great job. Does a great job. He is going to be the Tom Cavanaugh of this show. Mm, that's a good comparison. I think we're going to see multiple versions of Talro throughout the series. I'm Could not going to. But right now, I'm not mad about that.
2: Because for right now, it appears he's turned a new leaf. Because, and, and that was the interesting thing they brought up in the episode before they took off to throw Superman into the sun. Mm. Clark brought up, it was exactly one year ago. You were trying to destroy the world. Yeah. And now you're trying to help save it. And he brings up, he's like, well, well, listen, I don't, and I'm paraphrasing. He's like, well, listen, I don't really care about this world, but it does contain the only thing left that I really care about. And that's my family. And, yeah. and
0: I said, I'm like, oh, that's nice. It's a great redemption arc. And I was not mad about this at all. Yeah. Like, I was like, you know what? This makes sense. And I honestly thought he was going to get killed off at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Just how they were setting it up. It was just like one of those plays. But he winds up doing the deed with Superman. They have, like, this weird bonding moment in front of the sun, and he throws him in. Yeah, he says, like, oh, if this is the last moment I see you, I just want to let you know it's been an honor. Yeah, so they have a cool moment, and then you see everybody else in Smallville, is going back and forth from the different Earths.
2: You got some people freaking the fuck out. You got other people who are believers going, "Oh, take me with you! Take me with you!"
0: Yeah, it's a wild scene to see. And obviously, you see Lana Lang, who is now the new mayor of Smallville, played by Emmanuel Kirky, yep. doing her best to try and being calm and, and yeah. you know guiding everybody here. And she's trying to get, and she's getting some help, obviously, with Chrissy too, yep. who is the uh, owner of the Smallville Gazette. So yep. Sophia Hamzik plays her. And, like, they're trying their best to to remain calm. But, like, what what are you going to do in this situation? Well, yeah,
2: and then you you couple with the fact that Lana's uh, husband went missing at the end of the last episode. So now it's a mad scramble to find him. So with, you know, and you got Chrissy on the website of the Gazette telling people, hey, stay indoors, stay safe, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, like, in the same breath, stay indoors, stay safe. But don't expect Superman, because, you know, he's
0: got no powers. Whoops. Yeah, so it's a, it's a it's a wild scenario, and they go back and forth a lot with this. Yeah, they do. So, I mean, th- that doesn't take up a lot from the episode, but it doesn't take a- anything away from it. And, and it was that.
2: a cool s- plot point, too, because the last episode, Lada's husband went missing, we we're like, wait, what? The- I thought he was dead. Mm-hmm. You know, because they brought up the whole thing with, like, oh, Clark's other half from the other Earth is dead, so if, you know, worlds merge, you're dead. So I thought, oh, shit. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the husband is dead on the other Earth, and then we come to find out, no, they're just flipping back and forth between the worlds. So it was a really cool plot point.
0: Yeah, it definitely was. It definitely threw everything off, too. And then meanwhile, while all this is going on, too, John Henry Irons makes a connection to his daughter, Natalie. A broken connection, but it's, yeah. It's broken, and Natalie figures out, okay, he's he's summoning for the escape pod yep. that she had when yep. she crashed through Dimensions. Yep. Reasons, just go with it. Uh, and now she's like, okay, I can make him play to save my dad. Yep. Because obviously he's flying in the void because Allie took him out. And she knows where the portal is. Yep, so she makes a dramatic attempt to go save him, but we find out once he gets or once she gets to him. Yeah. He says, "Where's, Where's the, the X-Kryptonite?"
2: What X-Kryptonite? I said my message, "Bring the escape pod full of X-Kryptonite." Oh, I I didn't get that part of the message.
0: Yeah. But it's a situation that now they're kind of stuck in limbo and they're ex- yeah. they're pretty much getting ready to accept the fate. <laughs> they're making it up as they go. Yeah. But Talro is coming back to Earth, so at least they're going to maybe have some help. But we do see in a dramatic reemergence... Uh-huh. Who comes flying out of the sun? Superman. Yep, and you can the just... visuals on this were awesome. Yeah, no, they really did a good job to see that he was amped
2: up. Uh-huh. Like, he's glowing yellow. Uh, He's flying through the sky. And I love the shots they did where, like, he flew over the farm and the kids go, Dad, you know, he flies over the... Town uh, center of town, and Lana just goes. Superman flies over another portion, and you just hear Lois go Clark, and he takes off, and he says, "Oh my god, it was so I got goosebumps."
0: Yeah, like you could either do one of two things: you could play the iconic Superman theme music, oh. or you can play the Ultimate Warrior theme music. Because because <laughs> that's my new thing. If, if both you, work, yeah, both work. Because Superman is flying through there. I need that mashed up. Actually, somebody's got to do the Ultimate Warrior one, and you see him go in, and at, he is so super-powered right now for, because he's yeah. literally absorbed the sun. Uh-huh. Which, this is something like Golden Age. I mean, this is back in, yeah. like, before yeah. like, John Byrne kind of regulated his power. Yeah, Congress.
2: he was making shit up on the weekly.
0: Yeah, like, this is a situation, like, he is so amped up. He goes up to Allie and Allie is... Ah, leeching, more power. ...leeching off and and he goes, yeah, take it. And he puts her hand on his chest. And literally, it's too much power. And she splits in half. And splits her in half yeah. after she's merged. And... She is now taken out of the equation. He flies her back to Earth, both separately. So Jordan has one version. John Henry Irons has the other. He goes back into the portal, yep. goes get uh, John Henry Irons and Natalie, saves them, and then he starts doing something that he's done in the comics a couple times. And in the
2: and in the first movie. Break it down. Uh, he starts. So the, at this point, and this is kind of my one issue with the episode, they didn't really like – put enough emphasis on how close they were to like the end of the world because i didn't realize it until this point in the episode the two worlds are are together yeah you know they're on top of each other so he starts flying across both of the earths at like supersonic speeds and reverses time and uh separates
0: the two earths and puts everything back together yeah it's a wild thing but this is something that superman does yeah he did it in the first movie with christopher reeve yeah And I wasn't mad about the throwback. I I wasn't. I'm like, this is why this show works. Mm -hmm. Because if anybody is not sold on Superman and why he is still Superman and one of the greatest superheroes of all time, this show goes back and shows you those moments and recreates them to a modern audience. Like, you can't help but go... Damn, I get it. Mm-hmm. Because I like say what you will about the Snyderverse. Like, I am not uh, angry about it. I yeah. am, I actually like Man of Steel. I love Manis. Manis feels great. But this reminds you of why Superman inspires hope. Yeah, and like it just there's so many like little elements they do in the show. It just fucking works, and you get the happy ending. Albeit though, it's a little weird to see now. Everybody in town pretty much knows that. Clark, Superman. Well, not everybody, but a few more people. Yeah, well, Chrissy knows, and she can't help but Crit, like.
2: Well, because I thought Chrissy figured it out when she was going to interview. Yeah, that's what it, I thought too, Clark. But no, Lana straight up tells her because she's tired of lying. So now the obviously Lois knows. Uh, the kids know, obviously, the father-in-law knows. Mm-hmm. Lana now knows, so we're up to four or five. Chrissy now knows, Uh, and Lana's daughter now knows because, well, fuck, she put two and two together.
0: Yeah, she put two and two together when Jordan had to make the save. So yep, yep. that happens. That clears up their, their drama of their romance. So yep. And you know, I wasn't mad about that because no. it made sense. It was like, a nice
2: bookend to the season.
0: Yeah, it it made perfect sense for that. So it worked completely. Yeah. And then you do see that Lana and and Kyle they're not getting back together. That's that's yeah. done for now. Yeah. Which I didn't mind that because you know what we didn't need everybody to have a happy end.
2: I'll say there's too much happy endings going on. There there had to be at least one bad thing.
0: Yeah, so that's going to carry over to next season. I don't think that's a bad thing. That was some good, no. dr- good acting this year no. between them both. The only part of the episode that I was like, mm-hmm. you know what I don't care for mm-hmm. was when Lois went to the Dod prison to go see Allie. Yeah. I was like, "Why? Like, why uh, are you going?" Yeah, kind of close things out. Well, I think it's the least
2: risk of something like oh. ha- like if Clark shows up again, merge and all that shit back at square one.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, that that like because I know they kind of tied it back to his, Allie's history with Lois's yeah. sister. Yeah. So I, I guess yeah, that personal was, personal grudge, but it was just kind of like over and done with, and then. She mentions the name Parasite during this. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: it, was, it wasn't the first time. I mean, she's been called a
0: Parasite multiple times. Right. But this is now the inver- the version of the DC Comics villain that, yeah, oh from yeah. Superman, oh the yeah. Parasite. So it, oh yeah. it, it, this was such a well-played move by the writing team about this. Like I say, I love it. They
2: didn't go the Marvel way and kill her off.
0: No, they didn't. So obviously they can bring her back. And yeah. you know, if they want to do the Parasite villain again, they're going to do that. And we do get, obviously, the write-off of Tal Rowe, who now goes to... The Inverse the, Yeah, he's now in Bizarro World. Mm-hmm. To, for now. For now. But mark my words, he'll be back. Oh, yeah. We do see that Lucy has now moved back. Gender One reprised her role for the season here and there, but now she's going back to Metropolis. Yep. What that means for future episodes, I don't know.
2: Well, maybe a guest appearance every now and again, but yeah.
0: But the one point of this episode that I think everybody is going to be buzzing about a little bit, if you know comics, mm-hmm. is... We had a guest cameo from somebody that we know from the Arrowverse, mm-hmm. and this is where it gets confusing. So, Pat, I'm going to let you take the lead on this.
2: So, we got to kind of roll things back a little bit before we get to this and why this is specifically confusing. Because while ever the shit was hitting the fan, Lana or not Lana, Lois was on Inverse Earth, Clark was off in the sun, so that left the boys alone in the house uh general lane showed up to kind of calm the boys down and they're freaking the fuck out inverse lois is there but she's not powered she's kind of just she's kind of just standing there speak, yeah, speaking yeah it's a in, weird she's speaking in tongues nothing, yeah. nothing ever really comes of it she's just there and then disappears mm-hmm. but uh their grand, you know the boy's grandfather shows up they're freaking out they don't know what to do Blah 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 he's like listen we're good and this is a key sentence from the episode he goes one of the one of the things I've gotten to experience with working from the, with the DoD is I've gotten to look at a lot of different Earths and, and some with lead, their own legion of superheroes. Your dad is the only one we've got, and it's lucky he's as powerful as he is. So
0: what does that mean?
2: This show does not take place on Earth Prime and it is not in the Arrowverse. Now, we'll get to an interview the showrunner and executive producer Todd Helbing did to kind of clear that up. But what this sentence means is we thought this was a spinoff of Supergirl, which I guess it kind of still is. Mm -hmm. But we've been sitting here wondering for two seasons, you know, where's Kara? Where's, you know, Lex Luthor? Why hasn't Barry shown up? Why hasn't, you know, other folks shown up? What's the deal? Well, now we know because this isn't Earth Prime. This isn't the Arrowverse Earth. It's another Earth.
0: Yeah. So when we see the cameo with John Henry Irons in the diner,
2: Mm -hmm. we do see a returning friend. But whether it's the one we know from the Arrowverse or it's another one, who the hell knows? I think they're making it up at this point.
0: Yeah. And who is that friend? John Diggle. Yes. So David Ramsey reprising his role. As Diggle, and he comes in with a folder. Yeah. And he sits down, and they start having a conversation, and he says, do you know the name of Bruno Mannheim? Uh-huh. And if you know the comics, you know who that is. Also, if you've
2: seen Superman the Animated Series, he did make an appearance in a couple of uh, episodes of Superman the Animated Series.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And John Henry Irons is like, no, I have no idea, because obviously he's from a different planet. Right. And... Diggle breaks down. Well, Bruno Mannheim is responsible for killing John Henry Irons of this earth. Mm hmm. So now Yep. we have a feeling for next season. Yep. Let's tip their hand a little better. Yeah. Maybe maybe
2: not necessarily tip, but kinda like gave us a glimpse.
0: They gave us a little glimpse because Bruno Mannheim is connected to Intergang. Yep. Which is a very well known Superman uh rogues oh, gallery. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because they're more or less like the uh superpowered mafia. Oh yeah. So, this is going to be an interesting play to see how they do them next year. And you know what? I'm not mad they're going there. Yeah. I think they got a lot of story potential to go on here. I'm all,
2: I'm all right with a, a more grounded uh, season because, look, don't get me wrong, had no issues with them going batshit crazy and, and other worlds and multi multiverse with this season. I don't need it back-to-back. You know, that's one of my gripes with the Flash where was they did speedster, speedster, speedster got kind of old and tired if you constantly just keep going wacky wild and crazy it's going to get a little boring
0: it definitely is so now if they want to get a little more grounded with Intergang yeah I'm fine am f- fine I'm with that i'm fine with that and you know what that could lead to that could lead to them
2: introducing Lex Luthor because oh, who might be banking bankrolling Intergang hmm i wonder there's a lot of possibilities going there but the final shot which final, well, final shots cuz we find out Talro uh in his in an effort to repay his uh debt to uh Jordan uh because jordan saved his life yep but he and jonathan trucks with holographic uh heads-up displays Mm -hmm. so and and much to clark's chagrin and he starts yelling you know so uh, talro can hear him like hey we don't appreciate this yes and then the family takes a little vacation to the middle of nowhere although i got a hunch where this is because it's based on comics Break it down i'm guessing this is in the bermuda triangle Ooh. Because in the more recent run of comics, that's where his Fortress of Solitude has been, is in the Bermuda Triangle. Because people, basically, if I remember right in the comics, like everyone in the world knew where Superman's Fortress of Solitude was in the Arctic. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right, got to find a new one. Middle of the Bermuda Triangle.
0: Yeah, so this could get a little wild, and this is now where the, we see the Fortress of Solitude being rebuilt. hmm And that's how the show ends. Yep. Fantastic ending to this, Pat. Absolutely no sophomore slump for this show. No, definitely not. Super excited to see where they're going season three. Any final words on this, Pat?
2: Well, yeah, so just a real quick, uh, the showrunner and executive producer Todd Helbing did a bunch of interviews. Uh, the first one I saw was on the website Krypton site, which shout out to those guys. Those guys were around at like the start of Smallville. So th- this website's been running for 20 some odd years at this point, uh, kryptonsite.com. Uh, they did an interview with one, and it's uh, I know a lot of people were wondering like, wait, is this a sudden change with, you know, Superman and Lois not being on Earth Prime. Is this a recent thing because of the merger? Is this something they had planned? Uh, So the website did ask, at what point was it decided that Superman and Lois was not happening on the same Earth Prime as The Flash, Supergirl, and several of the other DC shows? Todd answered, quote, discussions were had in season one with DC. DC. So I knew that that was the way that we were going to go, but I was asked not to reveal that to the public until the end of season two. So it was two seasons of questions about it, with fans getting more and more frustrated, which is completely understandable, But uh, but it just felt like for our show, and particularly now, with shows unfortunately ending, it seemed like the best decision to have Superman and Lois on its own Earth. The website then does ask, does this mean that the versions of Clark and Lois that we saw on the crossovers are still there on another Earth? Yeah. So in the Arrowverse, or at least, well, the Flash, because it's the only one left standing at this point, mm-hmm. there is a Superman and Lois that we saw on the crossovers. So this isn't, you know, the same one we saw in the crossovers. It's somebody else entirely.
0: Right. It's a
2: wild thing to think about.
0: Right? Uh-huh. It really is. No, it is. So now, all bets are off for where we're going to go. Yep. This essentially says, though, the reverse is done with the Flash. Once the Flash is over, it's, it's done with. And that's next season from a lot of rumors going yeah. around right now that yeah. they, they will be done. So yeah. we haven't heard that official confirmation. I think we're going to hear that pretty soon, though. Maybe. Yeah, because I, I just have a hunch, obviously, the cons kicking back up and San, yeah. Di- San Diego's lurking right around the corner. Yeah. I think we're going to start hearing a lot of announcements for the future of the DC properties on the CW. Yep. But if they're just going to have the one as it stands right now... Well,
2: there's other things involving the DC that I'll get to in one-shots.
0: Yes. I listen, Superman Los is, is going to be the new flagship and I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that.
2: And, and plus, listen, Arrowverse was fun. You know, it was awesome to start with you trying to convince me to watch it instead of revolution, you know, which was a JJ Abrams show on NBC that at Christ, you can't even find streaming at this point, yeah. you know, from you trying to convince me to watch it till going through it and then spinning off into flash and, and black lightning and all the other ones to getting the awesome crossovers and all that. Like it had its time. It had its place. It was fun, but it, I think it's time to move on. And, and, connecting this show to that brings a lot of baggage and and hand ties you a little bit because with some of the stuff they did and referencing this and referencing that, this kind of gives them the creative freedom to go where they want and tell the stories they want.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, when we know it's the official end of The Flash and end of the Arrowverse, we'll definitely deep dive into that and give it a proper uh, send-off. But you're right. I mean, starting fresh now, with that being the flagship show, we don't know what's going on with Gotham Knights. Right. So whether that's
2: connected or its own separate thing, we don't know.
0: Yeah. We don't know yet. And we'll just wait and see about that. Cause uh, that first trailer, hey. uh, our opinion, uh, not the best, but Superman and Lois definitely is must watch TV. So if you haven't seen this for whatever reason, go watch it on HBO max, go watch it on CW catch yep. up on the series. You're truly missing out on some really great superhero TV. We gave you our opinions about the season finale of Superman and Lois season two so now we want to talk to you odph society Here's up on those hashtag hashtag odph pod let's talk superman and lois what did you think of the season and what did you think of the finale did you love it did you hate it and why we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back
1: this is tom from tom joe lou this is matt from side sounds and you're listening to odph podcast wanna go out?
3: no one
0: Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, Pad, what you got?
2: Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, the first of which is what I alluded to in the last segment when discussing the Superman and Lois finale uh, and specifically the future of the CW, because as has been talked about and rumored for a while, uh, it is obviously currently 50% owned by the uh, Paramount media. So CBS, and then the other 50% by Warner brothers, discovery or Warner brothers. So hence C CBS w warner brothers Mm -hmm. taught you something there Uh, but as is breaking news according to the folks over at deadline uh quote as next star deals for control of the cw nears finish ownership structure comes into focus so the article goes on to read quote next star media group's pursuit of majority control of the cw is nearing the finish line according to people with knowledge of the pending transaction word of the deal first surfaced last january but it has taken some time to iron out details as currently structured, the deal will see Nextstar take a 75% stake in the broadcast network, and current partners Paramount Global and Warner Bros. Discovery each take 12.5%. Sources indicated there is still some chance the tentative agreement could unravel, but if it stays on track, it could be formalized in the next few weeks. The Wall Street Journal had the first report of the ownership structure and the apparently imminent closure of the acquisition. Uh, so next star the one, number one owner of local TV stations in the U.S., as well as the owner of cable networks, News Nation, and digital brands like The Hill, would make a logical new owner of the CW because it, is, it already has the most affiliates of the network, while both current parents are looking as are all media companies to streamline their operations and tighten up the balance sheets. The next star scenario is an organic way to uh, stanch some red ink uh, clothes, quote. So, so there we have it. That's the current potential future of the CW. What that means for the shows on it, I don't know. But we have a potential new majority owner of the CW coming down the road.
0: That's interesting. That's something we got really keep an eye on because yeah. with any new ownership group, that could mean drastic changes. It could mean nothing. Uh-huh. I think where we go for a lot of it, obviously, is with the DC shows. Yeah. And what extent or is it going to maybe slowly be taken? I mean, I can't really see them letting go of a DC show. Yeah. Yeah. Even with new management, I think they know Superman and Lois still draws. Oh, yeah. And even if, like, they didn't want to go full Arrowverse and have mm-hmm. four shows at one point. In, in I think there will
2: still be some DC stuff on there, but I don't think it'll be like in the heyday where there was a DC show on every single night of the
0: week. No, I don't think there, Cause I don't... there,
2: were, cause there was one on Sunday. There was one on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then I don't think they really did. They don't really did any of their network broadcasts. Like they had, were on seven days a week. But in terms of their network programming, they were kind of like doing random stuff Friday, Saturday, you know. So sun, Sunday through Thursday, DC shows every night of the week during their network r- regular broadcast. Weekends, no.
0: Yeah, so I, so I don't. I
2: don't think they'll go that heavy with it. There'll still be stuff there.
0: Though. I still think you're gonna have at least two shows on. I think Superman Lois is a locked till further notice. Oh yeah, the ratings are doing well for that. Stargirl would be the only other one right now, but right. I, I I, don't know necessarily if they're going to go a different route, because I know with last we've been watching, there's a lot of stuff going HBO Max, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that'll be the push to go there, per se. Right. But this is where we have to watch with the new ownership group, but once everything's finalized, it's like Warner Brothers Discovery. We just yeah. have to sit back and wait and see, but... Yep. It is a little better to have a little more clarity about what's going on at the top.
2: Switching over to some TV news, uh, Carol Burnett is breaking bad, folks. What? Yeah, so reading from an article on Variety.com, quote, The comedy legend will appear as a guest star in the sixth and final season of Better Call Saul. Oh, okay. Portraying a character named Marion, AMC announced. It's unclear at this point how Marion fits into the uh, denominator of the complicated Jersey journey and transformation of series anti-hero Jimmy McGill, played by Bob Odenkirk, into Albuquerque's notorious criminal lawyer Saul Goodman. Uh, I'm thrilled to be a part of my favorite, TV, favorite show, Burnett, a six-time Emmy Awards winner, said in a statement. In addition to Burnett, uh, as previously announced, Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul will appear in Better Call Saul Season 6, reprising their Breaking Bad roles of Walter White and Jesse Pinkman, respectively, as the show draws its conclusion. Uh, close quote. So Carol Burnett's joining Breaking Bad. The, they got a couple episodes left. I think it's, uh, I got to look it up, but I know it comes back July 11th. Yeah. Uh, season 6, because I, I caught up with, I told my girlfriend Liz Bailey that, because she loves Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is one of her favorite shows of all time. And I told her that uh, Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston were going to be reprising their roles on Better Call Saul. And she was like, what's Better Call Saul? I'm like, well, it's a prequel to Breaking Bad, and it's about you know, Saul Goodman. She's like, oh, well, what's it on? I said, like, well, well, the first, you know, however many seasons are on uh, Netflix. We then binged the shit out of it. Like, there were no, there binge the shit out of it. Yeah. There were some nights we watched like three, four episodes in a night, you know, so we're all caught up. We're waiting for you know, the final or the final few episodes to, to drop it. Come, like I said, comes back on July 11th and there is, let's see uh, one, two, three, four, five, six more episodes, you know, so plenty of time. If you do a little bit of binging, you know, for you to catch up because you got a, c- a couple of weeks, you might be a little behind, uh, the, the six seasons, fucking insane. You know, the, the mid season cliffhanger they did was f- if you watch from there to the, to the midway point, fucking bonkers, it's a little bit of a slow start with the first season, but once it really kind of gets going, you know, towards the end of the first season and especially into the second season is where it really gets nuts. And it goes a lot of places you would not expect. I cannot wait for this to come back, you know, in July 11th. And I know my girlfriend can as well. So super excited. Also should note, have not seen Cranston and Paul yet. So don't know what they're going to appear. Oh, probably
0: finale. Probably. No, no, better call. Saul is one of the best shows on TV right now. Oh, absolutely. Like, it has definitely picked up the banner of Breaking Bad and ran with it. Uh-huh. And Bob Odenkirk is doing phenomenal work on that show. Uh-huh. Deserves all the awards it's getting. Oh, yeah. So uh, they're going to go off in a big way. I can imagine that finale is going to tie up everything completely mm-hmm. like Breaking Bad did. So. It'll be very interesting to see how she's going to play on that show, though. That's a well, great yeah. addition.
2: Absolutely. Switching over to some movie news, we got a little bit of an update on the next James Bond, and specifically the next actor or whoever's going to play that. Oh. So reading from an article on comicbook.com, it reads, quote, James Bond producer Barbara Broccoli says the next installment of, in the franchise will be a reinvention of the character. Deadline managed to interview the producer outside of an event honoring her work in the arts. Broccoli explained that the next James Bond is two years or more away from filming. Fans might not take that news either really well or be frustrated by such an admission. However, the 007 team is trying to get all their ducks in a row after filming No Time to Die. Daniel Craig isn't walking through that door again, so there will have to be some fresh blood in the role, whoever that may end up being. As social media often does, the fans begin fan casting their picks for who should wear the next, uh, excuse me, wear the tuxedo next. Some want to see them go with Tom Hiddleston, while others would like to see Idris Elba to be given a shot. Tom Hardy and Holland have also come up, but nothing is definite at this moment. Nothing's in the running. She revealed no, nobody's in the running. She revealed we're working out where to go with the, with him. We're talking, uh, we're talking that through there is isn't a script, and we can't come up with one until we decide how we're going to approach the next film, because really it's a reinvention of bond. We're reinventing who he is. And that takes time. I'd say that that filming is at least two years away, Uh close quote. Uh, so there we go. I know it's all fun to speculate and fan cast and, and rumors and who's who, but listen, the Broccoli family has been involved with the Bond film since the beginning mm-hmm. of the franchise. If there's anybody to be trusted, it is her. It is the Broccoli family. This is like Lucasfilm and Star Wars. You know, it's coming from her. They haven't picked anybody. They haven't spoken to anybody. They're not even quite sure where they're going with it yet. But wait and see.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. I think it's great to fan cast, but until you, we get some actual real news about it, that's all it's going to be. Mm-hmm. That's not nothing wrong with that, too.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, and then sticking with some uh, movie news, we got and former actors for maybe reprising roles. Uh, Christian Bale, obviously doing the um, new new circuit with uh, Thor, Love, and Thunder coming up, and he's playing Gore the God Butcher in that film, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, was asked if he would ever return to reprise his role as Batman uh, in, in the, the DC films. Uh, he was asked, and he did say, quote, no, no, no. Nobody, nobody reaches out to me or they keep me like a mushroom, keep me in the dark and feed me shit. Close quote. Uh, He told comicbook.com. For me, that would be a matter of Chris Nolan. If he ever decided to do it again, and if he chose to come my way again, then yeah, I would consider it because that was always our pact between each other is we would just stick to it. We said we would only ever make three. And then I said to myself, and I'd only ever make it with Chris close quote. So. If we ever were to see Christian Bale don the bat suit again, which would be cool to see, admittedly, you know, mm-hmm. as a fan, it'd only ever be if Christopher Nolan was behind the the camera.
0: If memory serves me right, when they were talking about doing Batman versus Superman, like Bale came out and said the same thing too. So he hasn't gone away from that. Oh sense. yeah, oh yeah. So been he's because he's, I I think that what their version is for Batman, and I don't think that anything's wrong with this. Oh yeah, they want to keep it as street level as possible. I don't think though we're ever going to see that again, and I don't have any issues with that. Yeah, because Matt Reeves is still going to do at least uh, two more Batman films, mm-hmm. I believe. I, you know, whenever he wants to get around to it, obviously big off the big success from that. Yeah. So, I mean, but it'd be cool to see the Nolanverse come back. But like, who would he face now? Hmm.
2: I don't know. It. It. it two Face maybe. Well, Two is dead. The, oh, oh, that's right. I like, god, I keep forgetting about that.
0: I would love to see a quarter of owls. Court of owls would be good. Yeah, or hush.
2: Yeah. Oh, hush should be good.
0: Yeah, you hush got, should be very good. Get somebody really grounded with him. Yeah. I, Hugo Strange would be an interesting one too.
2: Do a variation. Do a variation of the Arkham Asylum game. Yeah, but adapt it. You could do that because, or, or because it's Strange Arkham City.
0: Yeah, I mean, but it all depends on what Nolan wants to do. True, but I know like his stuff is so heavily centered around Heath Ledger and the Joker. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it'd be tough to see him come back, but, you know, I'd be down to take my money, though, if they ever decide to go there.
2: Yeah. Uh, Switching over to some uh, kind of more nostalgia news, Uh, the actor uh, Henry Thomas, who, of course, played Elliot way back when in the classic film E.T. the Extraterrestrial, did get asked about potentially doing a sequel to E.T., because as we saw with uh, Top Gun Maverick, doing a sequel 30 years after its initial release does have some success. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was asked about it and he said, quote, there had been, there had been ideas kicked around over the years. Uh, And this is a quote, by the way, there had been ideas kicked around over the years. There were some serious talks early on because the studio was really pushing for it to follow up the success of the 1982 season. Uh, That's why the commercial, I think Spielberg okayed the commercial because that's as close to a sequel as he's willing to go as he's willing to allow. The response for that Xfinity spot was so overwhelming, and people thought it was a teaser for a sequel, which created a huge, huge stir on the internet. I don't know if it made it past the internet, close quote. Uh, so it sounds like, pop, probably not, and you know what? I'm all right with that. E.T. is such a classic. It's a perfect start and finish story. You don't really need to do a sequel. You don't need to go near that one.
0: Yeah, don't go near that. Let it go. Yeah. Like, there's some movies you need a sequel and some you don't. That's one you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, switching over to some video game news, would
2: you believe that it's the 6th year anniversary of Pokemon Go in July? No. It is, yeah, it is. Uh, so the game developers Niantic shared details this week uh, quote on what will, uh, the next event will entail. It will have a focus on Charizard, given that the iconic Pokemon is number 6 on the Pokedex, and that this is the game's 6th anniversary, which will include unique variants for Charizard. Some starter Pokémon will have a greater presence during the Event too, alongside a series of curated raids, cosmetics, and both shadow and shiny Pokémon appearances. Uh, So I'm reading this from an article on Mm comicbook.com. The article goes on to say the new Charizard and Charmeleon variants that'll appear from July 6th to July 12th are ones which wear party hats to celebrate the game's anniversary. Not to be left out, even though the focus is on Charizard, Pikachu will also be getting yet another variant and will be wearing a cake costume at times throughout the listen i'll show you after this after we finish this segment there are like 101 different variations of pikachu in this game for like every holiday you can imagine birthdays special events it's insane uh party hat the article goes on to say party hat charmeleon party hat charizard and cake costing pikachu will make their pokemon go debuts niantic said about the event this is also the first time trainers will be able to evolve their party hat charmanders because that's a feature you've not been able to do thus far. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're lucky, you may even encounter Shiny Party Hat Charmeleon and Shiny Party Hat Charizard. A couple of other iconic Pokemon like Bulbasaur, Charmander with a Party Hat, Squirtle, and Pikachu, among others, will be found more during wild encounters. Some of their evolutions will feature in event raids, and the first three, along with other starters, like Chikorita, Cyndaquil, Totodile, Trico, Torchic, Mudkip, Turtwig, Chimchar, Piplup, Snivy, Tepig, Oshawat, Chespin, Fennekin, Froakie, uh, Rowlet, Litton, and Popplio, those are basically all the starter Pokemon for like every game, that okay. every every generation that's been introduced to Pokemon Go thus far, can be encountered via the competition of field research tasks. Uh, aside from those extra encounters, Niantic also said they will be adding things like cake costumes to the shop too for players to equip alongside their newly caught Pikachu. Uh, so can't believe it's been six years since Pokemon Go launched. I still play with my girlfriend because it's one of those fun things we get to do, you know, with uh, with each other, you know, especially during the community days where you go out. You can sucks playing doing community days in the northeast because you got to go out and in the northeast in the winter, it's fucking cold. Mm. Uh, but other and then warm months in the spring months it's a lot of fun so i still play with her so that'll be definitely fun and something to check out if you still play pokemon go like myself
0: yeah i mean that's definitely interesting about that yeah. and like i say i i'm not as uh, big a pokemon expert as you sure well so, or
2: even my girlfriend my girlfriend's a bigger expert yeah i know
0: I liz, liz bailey is our pokemon mm. expert mm. on here yes, on she DPH, is. so yes, she is. that is some very big news though
2: yeah uh and then lastly and certainly not leastly we got some walking dead news oh not the show Not a game, not a movie, but in terms of the comics and maybe some origins. Oh, Uh, so reading from an article on comicbook.com, the headline reads the Walking Dead creator won't reveal zombie virus origins. Huh? Uh, So as uh, we all, as you and I know, and some some of our listeners at home know, or for those of you who don't know, uh, the comics have been getting reprinted the last couple of years, however long it's been, you know, it's been a while because when they originally put out they were in black and white. Now they're being put out with color. Uh, and there have been added there's been added stuff in there uh specifically uh the cutting room floor i guess as it's called mm-hmm. uh so reading from the article on uh, comicbook.com it reads quote in the latest installment of the cutting room floor featuring new com- commentary from kirkman in issues of the full color reprint series the walking dead deluxe the creator explained his stance hasn't changed on ever revealing the the origins of the zombie outbreak uh quote I really was never interested in detailing uh, with the cause of the zombie outbreak, Kirkman writes in The Walking Dead Deluxe number 41. My opinion has been well documented, but the short version is... Any detailed explanation would push things too far into the realm of sci-fi for me. I think it's better to leave it unresolved. That way, the story remains grounded, close quote. Uh, Kirkman continued, That said, tons of fans wanted me to explore it, and I was not above pandering to them from time to time in ways I felt were interesting, close quote. So, and you know what? I'm all right with that. That if To me, it's one of those like Yoda's origin story or like the Mace Windu family origin or whatever, like where he's from. It's some of those mysteries with franchises that you know what you don't have to explore. I'm all right with not knowing and kind of like coming up with my own things in my head of where it's from.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Like at this stage, I'm just gonna say it's a government experiment. And just let it go. <laughs> that could be. Like I, mean, I personally
2: like the Breaking Bad theory that Walt's uh, uh, blue meth got a little too out of control and the world went nuts.
0: It could be. We're blame Compound V. we gonna cross over <laughs> the voice. By the way, boys, this week.
2: Oh, goddamn!
0: Yeah, Yeah, we'll be talking about the season finale, trust me, in a couple weeks. So we will deep dive in about that.
2: Boys has been good also. Umbrella Academy, I know we can't review everything yet because we're not through, but uh, I'm through episode six. I know you're through episode five. Fucking amazing.
0: Yeah, we'll talk to that next week. Yeah. Next week, we're going to break down the Umbrella Academy on the show. Uh, So for mine, I'm going to keep it very short and sweet because it's comic book time and definitely a couple books from Boom Studios you definitely want to go check out this week. Now, we talk Power Rangers on this show. Yes, we do. They are on the charge to 100. So legacy writing, obviously, everybody's going to be merging Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers. It's a big send-off. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be doing a big creative uh, push for that. And obviously, Ryan Parrott and Mac Groom leaving the books. This week, though, there is a book called Power Rangers Unlimited, Countdown to Ruin. And it is definitely worth picking up, especially if you're reading the Power Rangers series right now. Okay because it does dive into the background of one character known as Andros, who you know from what's going on in that book right now. This gives his background story. It's a very cool read, and it definitely adds a lot more depth to his character because he's been very good thus far in Power Rangers, and now this really kind of drives home a lot of his background as well, too. Mm. So if you're into the Power Rangers uh, series, you should definitely check it out. If you're just in a cool comic book, you should definitely check it out as well. Also from Boom Studios... Shout out to them, too. Always yeah. out great stuff from us. Uh, this is Berserker number nine. So this is the Keanu Reeves book. Uh, Matt Kent, Ron Garney. Definitely doing a lot of cool things. This is on the final stretch home. Uh, this has got a lot of wild stuff going on, to say the least. So the story about the half-man, half-god who is immortal and trying to find a way out has definitely gone in a lot of varying directions This book, though, I'm going to tell you right now, if you are squeamish, this is probably not your issue. Uh Uh-oh. They do not pull any punches. They are definitely in your face with the violence on this one. I don't mind it because if you know the character, the character is not exactly what they call a nice guy. Uh, This is true. So there is a lot of in-your-face stuff, but it's a great issue, though. I highly recommend it. If you haven't checked out the whole series, it's definitely a cool read, and you're going to be hearing a lot about this book uh, in the next couple of years, too, as well. If all plans are still go, last I heard they were. So, you know, got to keep our ears out for that. So definitely make sure you head over to your local comic shops. Go pick up some books. Hit me up on Twitter and let me know what you're reading, too. I'm trying to include most of our listening audience on that because I definitely want to get the temp of the room. If there's books you want us to check out, not check out, I know next week we got a freaking stacked lineup for parlay points. Uh-oh. It's ridiculous next week. So definitely stay tuned for that. But most importantly, too, to keep it full circle here, The Kickstarter link for Pocus Hocus number four is on the front page of Wearpad. ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. So you swing on over to the webpage. It's right on the front there. Go check out everything they're doing. Shout out again to Alan Dunfer for coming on the show. That is Parlay Club. He is always family to come on the show and talk whatever. And they got a lot of cool things coming on. So you definitely want to go check that out. Go check out the music section, which has all of the amazing musicians who give us their music each and every week. And special shout out to Tom Jolo, who will be playing again once to close tonight. He's got a very big uh, live video presentation going on this Friday night. So if you're interested in that, hit him up on the social media accounts. They're all right there. Definitely don't want to miss it if you can get down to it. I'm going to be trying my damnedest to get down there. Unfortunately, I got a prior engagement I need to do. Mm. But if there's some way I can sneak out of there, I'm getting down there to go see it. So, Tom, I know you listen to the show. I'm trying, brother. I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, like we said, parlay points. New blogs are up right now. Got a new wrestling one coming to as well. And I'm marking it out right now as I'm seeing because I'm getting a message about Orange Cassidy came out to Jane by Jefferson Starship. Uh-oh. Fuck yeah. About damn time. Super excited about that. So I'll be hitting Twitter about that as well. Classified section has organizational links, support, and Black Lives Matter. Voter registration. You know where we stand about things going on right now. We don't shy away from it. We're very saddened and appalled about what happened with the Supreme Court decision. So definitely make that energy happen at the voting booth if you feel the same way we do. And uh, I'm just going to leave it with that. Uh, what you call it? We also got friends of the show, such as Dragon Master Games, 8122 Productions, where if you want to find out everything going on, Rich Ron, Mike C, and the one and only Big Danny Cool, you can swing on over there. All our amazing pod groups. Like, listen, we have everything you need to know from the classified section, so make sure you happen and make sure we go from there. The directory. Pat, how many providers are we on? 62,820. You know, if we're not on your favorite podcast provider, we need to know how to get on there. So definitely let us know if you were not there, and we'll definitely put the link up there if we can physically do it. That's what we'd like to do. So there's no reason you can't follow, subscribe, and interact with us about that. Everything and anything that is the ODPH can be found at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only, Pat and Juan J. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken. And thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parley Hour. Go. Pick up Pocus Hocus number four. We'll see you next time.